The title of what I'm sharing with you this morning is Anointed to Bring Change. Anointed to Bring Change. Does that sound good to you? Please say that out aloud with me. Anointed to Bring Change. Would you please turn so long to Luke chapter 4? And we'll look at verse 16 and a couple of verses on from that. As you're turning to Luke chapter 4, uh, this is where Jesus goes into the synagogue and he's handed the book of the prophet Isaiah and he begins to read out what is written there in part of Isaiah. It is a powerful moment of the scripture being fulfilled. And so let's look at it, Luke 4, 16 to 21. It says, so he, that is Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Now, we've just glanced over something there which I feel needs to be emphasized especially at this point in time. Would you notice what it says? And as his custom was, this is Jesus' custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath and then he stood up to read. I, I just realized that nothing is put into the word of God by mistake or by chance. It is all done with the infinite wisdom and detail of God. And here, Jesus, who is our example, it is said of him that it was his custom to go into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And I'd like to ask, would you allow those few words to challenge you today? It is a wonderful custom. It is something that we are called of God to do. But if Jesus saw the importance of gathering with the congregation of God's people, let's not think that we're more clever than God and that we do not need to gather with God's people. I'm not sharing my own opinions here. I'm sharing what the word of the Lord says. And Jesus set this example and I want to encourage you that you set this example in your life for others around about you, for your family, etc. I call on dads, the leaders of homes, or if you're a single mom, etc. I call on you to set this example to your family that we will gather with the people of the Lord. This will be our good and godly custom. Do you know what? It will make a massive difference in your spiritual life. Your marriage gets blessed by you coming to church. Your relationship with God obviously gets blessed by you coming to church. The things that you wrestle with get blessed when you gather together with God's people. And so I wanna call on those people who have gotten comfortable sitting at home and I wanna say it's time to stop that. It's time to repent of that and get back into the house of the Lord. Come on. It's time to get back into the house of the Lord. God's ways are in his sanctuary. And I've been very delicate and very nice and very pastoral for too long on this, but now I'm gonna start to be a little bit more bold on this. Do I have your support on this? Come on. 
If these people could gather here today, and if you are able-bodied and close by and are able to be here, get into church. And if you are far away somewhere else, it's great that you watch this program online, but you still need a local church family. I believe in the power of the local church. I really do. I believe that what God can do in and through the local church is amazing. And I remember somebody saying, a great leader in America saying, there's nothing like the local church when the local church is working right. And so here, as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read, verse 17. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. This is not by chance. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written. And here it comes, and he begins to declare it in verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Please say anointed. Amen. Say it again. Amen. Because he has anointed me, and basically it is to bring change. <laughs> and here's the changes that have been spoken about. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. I think they were mesmerized. They didn't understand something amazing was happening. And then Jesus says in verse 21, then he began to say to them, today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What an amazing time to be right there when scripture is fulfilled. I remember the day that Choose Life Church opened on the 4th of September, 2005, we had our very first service and God had said, I will take a branch of the cedar and I will crop it off and I will plant it. And on that very first Sunday, that word began to be fulfilled right in front of our eyes, in our hearing. The atmosphere in that place on that first Sunday was nothing short of electric because God was fulfilling his promise over choose life, and he still continues to fulfill that promise. And then Jesus says, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Do you know, by saying that, he was saying, first time, clearly, I am the Messiah. How can we say that? Because the Jewish people knew this was a messianic prophecy from the book of Isaiah, and now Jesus is getting up and he declares it, he reads it out, and he says, now it is fulfilled. He was saying to them, I am the Messiah. There's many people that are waiting for the Messiah to come. There's some religious groups in the Middle East, they're still waiting for the Messiah to come. I wanna tell you, Jesus, when he came to earth, he was the Messiah, he was God's son incarnate, and he did come, and yes, he will come again at the second coming, but know this, he is the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. So please keep this passage open in Luke 4 so we can go to it several times. 
But essentially, at the core of it, Jesus was saying, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me. And I want to remind you that you and I, we walk in the same anointing that Jesus walked in. So although this was a, a prophecy of Jesus, which was spoken and fulfilled, we know that He has given us His authority, he has given us the spirit of the Lord, which is upon us. He has given us everything that we need. And so now we literally walk in the same anointing that Jesus walked in. So therefore you can take the scripture, you can make it entirely your own and you can say, thank you God, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Hallelujah. You can say that. I love to remind people about the fact that they're anointed. I often do it in various situations and sometimes one of our pastors will be going to take a meeting or, or conduct a service or something like that and I say to them, hey, listen, don't forget, you are anointed. And this is something I often declare over myself and I would humbly suggest to you, speak it over yourself, it is biblical truth. Declare, I am anointed. Won't you say that? I am anointed. Now tell the person next to you, you are anointed. Let them know about that. Well, you say, well, if I'm anointed, what is the anointing? I think that's a good question to answer. The anointing is the presence and the power of God operating in and through our lives to accomplish his kingdom purpose. It's both the presence and the power functioning through us to accomplish his kingdom purpose. And as you look at Luke chapter four, it becomes very evident and clear that God wants to use us, his people. He wants to use you and me to deal with the problems that mankind has always faced. And a lot of the problems that the man, mankind face now in 2022, they were facing these same problems 500 years ago. The essence of the problems of fear and rejection and insecurity and all those things, the essence of those things haven't really changed. But God has the solutions, amen? <laughs> he is the answer. He has the solutions and he wants to use you and me to put the solution into action. Now, there are six points that I wanna share with you today. They will all be relatively brief points, but point number six is the really, really important one which we'll get to at the end. Point number one, here we go. Are you ready? You're anointed to bring good news to the poor. Please say that with me. You're anointed to bring good news to the poor. Look at verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me, and here is the purpose, to preach the gospel or the good news to the poor. Now, as I understand it, this reference to poor refers mainly to spiritual poverty and spiritual lack. You see, God wants to meet our spiritual poverty and he wants to end our spiritual poverty by giving us salvation. And that is a spiritual solution to a spiritual problem. Having said that, we need to know that God does wanna provide for us physically. I wanna let you know he does. 
He wants to provide for our material needs. So whether there is spiritual poverty or physical poverty, Jesus is the answer. But in what we're reading here in Luke, uh, Luke chapter four, the focus is on spiritual needs being met. I wanna make this clear. If you do not have Jesus Christ in your life, you are spiritually poor. You are bankrupt. You are spiritually hollow. You are spiritually empty. And we need to realize that. People think, well, that I'm okay without God. No, you're spiritually bankrupt. You're spiritually poor. It means that you are, uh, in terms of spiritual poverty, it means that you are dead in sin. It means you are defeated. It means you have no spiritual life. You are not able to discern spiritual things, the Bible says, and you have no relationship with God. But when you receive Jesus Christ, you become enormously rich, spiritually speaking. Can I get an amen? amen. Enormously rich. And that's not an overstatement. It says in Ephesians 1 verse 3, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Now, it's not one or two blessings. God says every spiritual blessing. If every spiritual blessing is ours, then I would venture to say we are enormously blessed spiritually. Also in Ephesians 1, but verse 18 says, that you may know what are the riches. We're talking about being enormously blessed spiritually. That you may know what are the riches of the glory of, of his inheritance in the saints. And so the wonderful thing is that spiritual poverty ends the moment we come to Jesus and then we become spiritually wealthy and the Bible says that we're anointed to declare this good news to people. You and I are anointed to tell people you don't have to be spiritually bankrupt, but you can be spiritually enormously rich with all the blessings that Christ has made available to us. I don't know about you, but that is good news. Come on, church. Amen. Number two, you're anointed to heal broken hearts. Verse 18 says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to heal the brokenhearted. Take note of that word, brokenhearted, for a moment. The term brokenhearted refers to those that are discouraged because of the difficulties they've faced in life, of the hardships that they have faced in life. They are brokenhearted. There are so many people that are brokenhearted it says in Psalm 34, verse 18, the Lord is near to those who are of, who have a broken heart. Take note, it doesn't say the Lord is near to those who are bitter. It doesn't say the Lord is near to those who are offended. It says the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. And I think to myself, wow, Jesus, you are so wonderful. I think Jesus... It's so wonderful because he does not have a care-less attitude, but he has compassion on us. He has compassion on the work of his hands. And so we know that there is vast need around us. And we need to, as believers, make sure 
that we keep our hearts soft towards brokenhearted people. Jesus' heart was soft. Sometimes we don't wanna have time for those people and we think, well, you know, I've got it together. You must just get it together. Sometimes they can't get it together because they need the anointing flowing through you to heal their broken heart and then they can get it together. May we have compassion for the brokenhearted. Maybe there's somebody at your work who's busy going through a divorce, which is essentially the death of a dream. They are actually brokenhearted. The Lord can actually use you to minister healing into their situation. I'm grateful to the Lord that he has made Choose Life to be a place of healing. We've seen it right since the day Choose Life started. It's a place where broken hearts can be restored. And we have seen to the glory of God that there is an anointing of restoration here. And it should be because the presence of God is here and the power of God is here. So therefore, there should be the healing of broken hearts. Psalm 147 verse three says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. You might be sitting here today and you are broken on the inside. I wanna tell you with the love of the Father that he wants to heal your brokenheartedness. Would you allow him in a new way? Allow him to heal your brokenheartedness. I believe that he's the only one that can truly cause that person to fully bounce back. Number three, are you still with me? You're anointed to set people free and open their eyes. Wow. Have you thought of yourself as somebody that can set people free, obviously through the anointing, and open people's eyes? Verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Now, here are these two phrases, to preach deliverance to the captives. That's for you and me to do. And also, recovery of sight to the blind. Sometimes, when we look at the vast need around about us, of people in bondage and people needing freedom. We can easily feel overwhelmed. Like, you know, we can start to think, well, what can I possibly do to make a difference in all the brokenness in the world? But if you're thinking like that, it is the result of thinking of your ability to bring change. We're not talking about our ability. We're talking about anointed to bring change. This means that instead of focusing on what I can do through my personality and my skills and so on, I begin to focus on the anointing that is within me and then faith is released and you can begin to step out and do bold things for God because you realize at the end of the day, you cannot change nobody. That's a double negative. (laughs) You cannot change nobody, but God's anointing working in you can minister healing and set people free. So it says there, deliverance to the captives. Now, what is deliverance to the captives? It's basically about setting people free. That can be freedom from sin. It can be freedom from strongholds. It can be freedom from demonic oppression. Here at Choose Life, we often minister to people 
where it's clear that there is a demonic stronghold in their lives. By the way, some people come and they think they've got a demonic stronghold and actually it's just a bad habit that they've learnt and they just want you to cast out something which isn't there in the first place so they can be free. No, it doesn't work like that. Sometimes there is a clear demonic stronghold and those that are praying with you will discern it. But it's wonderful to see that time and time again, those people that come in for prayer, they walk out free, they walk out delivered, the demonic strongholds leave. And we shouldn't be surprised at that because we're anointed to do this. We're anointed to set people free. And together with us, I wanna say that deliverance is not just for a few specialized individuals. God says, you have been anointed to set the captives free. You've got to understand this. We are a kingdom of priests unto God. This thing of looking to the clergy to do everything. No, man, that's dead and buried. That's old stuff. We are all in the ministry, and deliverance is something that all of us can do as children of, the, of God to set people free. I want you to make it very clear to you today. If you are living a life before the Lord where you truly love the Lord and you walk according to his word, you are a person that can cast out a demon. Come on, I think you can have a bigger amen for that. Because you're anointed to set people free. This other phrase says recovery of sight to the blind. That's about helping people to see Jesus. It's about opening their spiritual eyes. Do you realize that there are millions and millions of people across the world they actually cannot see? The enemy is trying all the time to blind people from seeing Jesus. And it says in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 in the NIV, it says, the God of this age, who is that? That is Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And so they cannot see the glory of God because the God of this age is blinding them. It's terrible to walk in a situation like that where you are blinded, terrible. And the devil is trying his best to blind people from seeing Jesus but I have good news for you today. Blindness can be removed. <laughs> Blindness can be taken care of and God has given the power and the presence of God flowing through us that blindness can be removed. And right now we pray for some of your family members that are still blinded by the God of this age and we pray in the name of Jesus that their scales would fall off their eyes and that they would begin to see Jesus in the name of Jesus. Amen. But you can help others see Jesus. Don't underestimate your anointing. Please say that to the person next to you. Don't underestimate your anointing. Amen. You're anointed, I love this point, number four. You're anointed to help the bruised. Please say the word bruised. Now, verse 18, we're still in verse 18, but now I'd like to read it from the King James Version. And it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath, whew, we're getting King James here. 
He hath anointed me. <laughs> All right, sorry, just a little detour there. He goes on to say, to set at liberty them that are bruised. God's called us to help with this. Wow. The New King James Version uses the word oppressed. But the King James, I love the fact that it uses the word bruised. I find that very meaningful. I find that very special. What does it mean if you say somebody is bruised? Well, it means that they are oppressed. It means that they are downtrodden. It means that their spirit has been crushed through what they have faced. It means that they have been broken down by calamity. Can you think of someone like that, that has fallen on hard times in, in that kind of way? You know what? In reality, they are actually bruised, but you're anointed to help bruised people, you and me. <laughs> and there are some people that only you are encountering because you're with them at work and you sit in that canteen at lunchtime and you hang out with them. And God's actually wanting to use you to help the bruised person. Isaiah 42 verse three brings in a beautiful scripture and it says this, a bruised reed he will not break and the smolder, smoking flax he will not quench. I, I really love this picture because if you imagine a reed down by the river's edge and imagine it gets a little bit of a bump on the side so it's not quite as strong, so that bruised reed is a bit broken. It's easy to break. It's a bit bruised, shall I say it. And it's easy to break. But Jesus says, even somebody in that bruised state, I'm not gonna break them. In other words, he says, I'm gonna heal them. Or a smoldering flax, a smoking flax. This can be referring to a little wick of a candle. And you might be listening today and your little wick of your candle is hardly burning. There's just a little bit of smoke. And I have good news to say that Jesus is not gonna snuff you out, but he wants to set you aflame and he wants you to burn. He wants you to be healed of being in that situation. And so I love this when it says, a bruised reed he will not break. This shows us God's heart of compassion for his people. And may I encourage you, let us not be those that do not have compassion for the people that are bruised. That friend of yours who's maybe had an emotional breakdown, they literally cannot cope in life. They are overwhelmed. Do you know what? They are bruised but you are anointed to minister healing. Let faith arise in your heart today. Number five of six things I'm sharing with you. You're anointed to declare the season of God's favor. I love this part. Now, we're on to verse 19 eventually. And it says there, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. And then it says, this is the purpose to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now in the, in the NIV, it says to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And you know, it is so wonderful, folks. Some of you may not even realize this, but we are living in the time of His grace, of His favor, and of His salvation. This is the time right now. We're in this dispensation. It's too wonderful for words. 
Praise God. And so when we declare the grace and the favor and salvation of God, we have the full backing of heaven and the anointing to make this known to people. This is the day of salvation. Praise God. And in terms of salvation, it says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20 in the Amplified, listen to this, this is Paul speaking. It says, we as Christ's personal representatives beg you, for his sake, to lay hold of the divine favor now offered to you and be reconciled to God. Let me tell you this. There will come a day when it will be too late to get saved. And so Paul is basic, basically saying here, I beg of you, seize this opportunity in the season of favor and grace and salvation Seize this and receive salvation. Let it be yours. Experience what God has for you because there will come a time when salvation will no longer be available and then it moves into the day of vengeance of our God according to Isaiah 61. Don't mess around with God. Don't try to wait till your end of your life and think, well, maybe if I'm on a hospital bed, on my deathbed one day, then I'll pray to God. No, 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 don't do that. That is completely the wrong thing. You want the favor now and for the rest of your life and the blessing of God that goes with it. Give the Lord a hand of praise, amen. And so I plead with you, be reconciled to God. If you've never given your life to Jesus, come up to one of the pastors and shepherds after the service and say, I need to give my life to Jesus and they will pray with you the prayer of salvation. But in, uh, in verse 19 in the Amplified Bible, I just wanna read this to you. So it's the same verse in the Amplified. It says, to proclaim the accepted and acceptable year of the Lord. And then it says this in brackets which speaks a lot to me, which is the day when salvation, and listen to this, and the free favors of God profusely abound. What is this day of the favor of the Lord? Well, firstly, it's the day when there is salvation, but also when the free favors of God profusely abound, they are not in short supply. So in addition to salvation, child of God, this is the time when the free favors of God are in abundance and profusely abound. In other words, you and I should expect opportunities. We should expect breakthrough. We should expect favor in the things that we are doing under the leading of the Lord because this is the day when it profusely abounds. Tom Ingalls says the following. He says, favor is when God lines everything up for you to win. It's God's grace manifested as divine ability. It's when you experience supernatural breakthroughs. It's when good things are happening beyond your ability. There are things that you couldn't possibly get to fall into place but they are falling into place because of the divine favor of God upon your life. Praise the Lord. And so it says in Psalm 102 verse 13, it says, you will arise and have mercy on Zion. What does Zion speak of? It speaks of the church. You will arise and have mercy on Zion for the time 
to favor her, listen to favor, the time to favor her, yes, the set time has come. And so I unashamedly and boldly declare over you favor in the name of Jesus. Would you receive that? I declare favor in the name of Jesus. I declare favor in the name of Jesus. And I'm anointed to declare this favor, and so are you. We're actually anointed to even make the declaration of favor. And I tell you what, when we do this under the anointing of God, the atmosphere actually changes. So I declare favor over you in Jesus' name. Now, I said number point, and point number six is very important, and here it is. You're anointed to rebuild ruined cities. You may have never thought of that in your life before, but this has come as something of an aha to me. Please say it together with me. You're anointed to rebuild ruined cities. Now, go to Isaiah 61. Please turn there. Isaiah 61 and verse four. And remember, this is now where we find the Luke 4 prophetic word from the prophet Isaiah. We find it in Isaiah 61. And uh, in verse four, it says the following. It says, Isaiah 61, four, and they that's you and me, shall rebuild, please say rebuild, the old ruins. No, 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 I'll just say that. I love the enthusiasm though. <laughs> they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations and they shall repair the ruined cities. The desolations of many generations. Notice the phrase, they shall repair ruined cities. Folks, this is huge. This is very powerful. And I pray that the Holy Spirit ministers the great significance of this to you, that we are anointed to rebuild and repair ruined cities. It is part of the destiny in which you and I are called to walk in. And this has really just come to me as something which is my eyes are opening to this. It makes me realize that you and I, we are agents of change. We are people that through the power of the Holy Spirit can bring change and we're anointed to bring change. And I was thinking of Sean Foyt who was with us last weekend and this man has been going into cities, many of them all over uh, America and by the way, since he was with us last Sunday, he already held another city let us worship event yesterday in the United States. I mean, it's like week after week. I understand that he did like 80 cities in 12 months, and I understand that it's approximately 160 cities that they have gone to. What is he doing? He is going in with a sense of the anointing of God to rebuild ruined cities, and he goes in with worship, which is one of the most powerful forms of spiritual warfare, and he brings healing to cities through worship. Praise God. And I think we're gonna to start to see some of that in South Africa, by South Africans. A bunch of our young people, about 30 of them went to a high place in the city yesterday. About 30 of our young people, 
they took a speaker or two and a guitar and so on, and they went onto this mountain which overlooks onto uh, all significant key points in the union buildings, and these 30 young people were just praising God, lifting up praise over our city yesterday. Come on, give them a hand. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. But here's the thing. When we are faced with ruins, we tend to want to run away. When we look at the ruins of our city, we wanna run away and say, God, isn't it time that you call me to some other country of the world? But you know what? God calls you and I to go right into those cities, into the ruins, into the brokenness with hope, with love, with peace, and with the power of God to bring change in those cities. And I pray to God that faith will arise in your heart because realize this is not for a few people, this is for everybody. We are anointed to bring change. Hallelujah. There's a lot of devastation in our city. Am I right? There's a lot of devastation in the nation of South Africa. But God has put you in South Africa for a reason. And realize that God establishes the boundaries for people and so on. God has put you here for a reason. And the reason is that God has placed you here to rebuild the ruins. And I wanna challenge you, stop running away from the pain of our city. Stop running away from the ruins and begin to allow God to use you in your little area, in the place that you're in, to bring healing and to bring hope to the nation of South Africa because God needs every one of us to be instruments of change. We are anointed to bring change. Hallelujah. And you know what? We cannot run away. I think of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, he did not run away. When he saw the brokenness of his city, he saw and he saw that, look, these gates are burnt. The walls are broken down. This is ruins. Now what he could have done is he could have run away, but he didn't run away. He was deeply moved to go right into that situation and the anointing of God came upon him and he was able, together with the men around and those that joined, they were able to rebuild that city in the remarkable time of 52 days because it is the anointing and the presence of God that can bring about that. Now go again ahead and give the Lord a hand of praise. Come on, you can do better than that. Amen. And so I wanna close off with these words. Quite simply, you are anointed to bring change. Please let it go right into your heart. You are anointed to bring change. Say that with me. You are anointed to bring change. And again, a bit louder. You are anointed to bring change. And say that to the person next to you right now. Come on, tell them that. You're anointed to bring change. Let's stand together and pray. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Lord, our ears are open, our hearts are responsive, 
We say thank you for the anointing. Maybe you'd just like to lift your hands to the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the anointing. Thank you that you have anointed each one of us. Church of God, I speak over you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. You don't do these things in your own strength. He's empowered you with His presence, with His power. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. Thank you that faith comes by hearing the Word. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you because He has anointed you. And so we say, yes, Lord, to the assignments that you have given us. Each one receives assignments from God. Some of them smaller, some of them bigger, but everyone important. And we say yes to your plan and your purpose. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name.